Hello, my name is Jody Lee Mott, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Cameron Wells. Uh, she's author of the Color, Feel, Play series of picture books, and we're going to be talking about the picture book The Missing Piece by Shel Silverstein. But first, as always, I'm going to start with a poem. Uh, now, I don't always try to match up the poem with the books we talk about, but since the author up for discussion is Shel Silverstein, I thought I may as well start with one of his poems. And the Shel Silverstein poem I'm going to read today is called Poet's Tree. Poet's Tree Underneath the poet tree, come and rest a while with me, and watch the way the word web weaves between the shady story leaves. The branches of the poetry reach from the mountains to the sea. So come and dream, or come and climb. Just don't get hit by falling rhymes. My guest today is Cameron Wells, author of the Color, Feel, Play series of picture books, which includes What Color Is Your Day? and the recently released The Memory of Play. You can find Cameron's website at CameronWells.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Cameron. Thank you for having me, Jody. Now, as I said, you've got this uh, series, this uh, picture book series called Color, Feel, Play. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the idea behind the series? Absolutely. So um, I have two small children, and uh, it was just kind of this concept of uh, this idea that we just as people, but especially starting so young, there are so many emotions that we have to learn, right? As adults, we're still learning them and having an outlet to teach my children about emotions and uh, a easy association for children are colors. So, um, you know, that's kind of where emotions and colors came in. And then play is a reminder for really for the adults, we forget how to play sometimes, but children kind of, that's their first job playing. And so kind of tying all of those in, um, you have a, a happy children's book series. Because I know uh, play is such an important part of the learning process for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the first book in a series was uh, What Color Is Your Day? I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that particular book is. So What Color Is Your Day is a a book about children and their association with colors and emotions. It was inspired by my my son when he was two and a half and we were doing a bedtime transition. And uh, he just had a lot of big emotions. And I wanted to not only understand them myself, but I wanted to give him tools to understand them. And, you know, not only give him the words, but learning how to manage them. And so I did that by, I started asking him, Monroe, what color is your day? And at first, you know, with no context, it's a strange question to ask, but he understood it. I said, you know, what are you feeling? And he'd say, well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little nervous today. And I'd say, well, what color do you think of when you feel nervous? And he'd say, "Mm, brown. I'd say, okay. And we talk about that. And we were able to transition into different colors. And throughout the day, he was feeling, you know, one color into a different. I mean, it was just this beautiful conversation of emotions and colors without it being necessarily a scary place to go. Even ones that are seemingly negative, anger, that we all experience that. And that's okay. But it's how do you manage it and how do you work through it? So that was kind of how the book came to be. 
I'm curious, does he still talk about uh, things in terms of colors? Like if he's having a, a particular day, you know, this is a red day or, you know, or something like that. He absolutely does. And I think it's become a way to have conversation. Not only that, he asked his sister. She's 18 months, so she doesn't really understand it yet. But he'll ask her, like, if she's a little whiny or whatever. He'll, he'll say, what color is your day? What are you feeling? What color are you feeling, Yuna? And it's just, I mean, that just makes my heart explode because he gets it. And, yeah, he'll absolutely ask in terms of colors. And it's beautiful. Now, the second book in the series is The Memory of Play. And if you could talk a little bit about what that one is about. So The Memory of Play, obviously, it's in the children's book series. But I might argue that this one is a little bit more for the adults. Um, It's a book about a child teaching an adult how to play again. Just kind of that reminder of how important it is to incorporate it into our everyday life with the simplest thing. So uh, that was the um, inspiration and emphasis on this book. I think so many times as adults, we associate play with something frivolous or now we've had our time for play and now it's time to get to serious work without Mm -hmm. realizing that play can be, especially for kids, very serious work. That's right. Absolutely. Um, That was my my son's school does a very good job of that. You know, my son, um, he enjoys school. He has a different probably understanding of it than I did because it's you can tell him that he's going to do work, um, but he also associates that with playing, you know, and challenges and learning. And there's fun in that. It's not a daunting task. Um, and I love that. Or just going to the the playground and counting rocks. You know, I mean, he literally can find play in everything. And I don't think he's the only one. I, I love that about children, that they're able to do that. Um, and we could we could take a note from their book. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So um, you've got these two books right now. Are you thinking about more books um, for the series to build upon these two? We would love to do that. We being my publisher and I, we would love to do that because there's still just there's so many topics that we could cover regarding feelings and emotions and just childhood in general and, you know, kind of that transition into adulthood. So, yes, um, I would definitely say that it's going to have some more books in the series. But nothing particular planned right now. Nothing planned right now. We want to give the first two came out um, within a couple of months of each other. They're doing really well. They're being well received. We want to give it a little breathing room. Um, I have I had a book launch for the first book, What Color Is Your Day? The second book, we are tinkering with the idea of having an adult play date to kind of work in that concept. So, uh, and having the children as our leaders. So there will be activities, um, but no no books. Books are being written right now. No books are being published anytime soon. Have you started to get some feedback, like a, particularly on the first book that's come out? Uh, some people um, uh, themselves or their kids uh, giving you some idea of what they think about the books or how they've used them? Absolutely. And I've said this throughout the whole process that I'm not a psychologist, I'm a parent. But um, the feedback is that they see the the difference in their children and just their the vocabulary that they've had around it. And not only that, it's open kind of that line of communication. I've heard I've, I've gotten some feedback between husbands and wives or partners that that communication opens up just adult to adult. Um, which I think is just magical because, like I said, it's for us too. So, yeah, and it's gotten some use in the medical field and um, mental health. So, yeah, it's definitely being well-received. And the second one is, uh, like I said, it's a nice pairing. People love it because it's 
going down memory lane and it's a feel good book, you know, which I think we can all use every once in a while in life. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Now, the pic- the book you picked is one of your favorite books. There's also another uh, picture book. It's The Missing Piece by Shel Silverstein, uh, which was first published in 1976. Now, it's always a challenge to describe picture books in particular, but for readers who might not have had the chance to uh, pick up this book yet, can you talk a little bit about what it's about? So The Missing Piece is, um, I just love this book because it kind of captures the essence of, while it's a children's book, it is definitely, I think, a message for, you know, that resonates with adults. The Missing Piece is about a circle that is missing a piece, and it goes about its world looking for this perfect piece to complete it. And, you know, as it goes, it's, it's playing with the butterflies and the flowers and the worms. It's taking in this, this beautiful world and beautiful life. And then it finds its peace and it's not necessarily what it thought it would be. And that it realizes that being complete can, can feel different than what you think. And when did you first come across this book? I was probably five six. I mean, I was young. When I actually took it in, I was probably around eight. Um, And I remember it was on my mom's coffee table. And I just, I got it and I loved it. It was so simple, the drawings, right? But the message was just huge. You know, there's just different parts. There's a little, I love books um, that have songs in them, but you have to create that own song in your head. Uh, the missing piece, you know, there's a there's lyrics in the book, but there's no, it doesn't say, oh, you know, sing this to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or whatever it is. So I'm pretty sure every time I read it, I, I sang that differently. There's just so much to this book that I just, I really do love, but it's so simple. Um, and being so impressionable and so young, you know, I don't even think I realized it was such the the magnitude of it. But here I am decades later, and I still remember it. And I can't wait for, you know, I'm probably putting too much on it, because I hope my child, my children uh, love it as much as I did. But it yeah, it's still a very important book to me. And I love it. Yeah, I was wondering, that's an interesting idea that sometimes the books we read as children, sometimes when we read them again as adults, um, and we see why we like them, but yet the the meaning we derive from them. And I'm wondering, uh, what do you think it was that you saw in it as a child, and now that as an adult you look back at it, and how is it, how is the sort of, the meaning for the book uh, changed for you? Yeah, so um, I think as a child, you know, like like I said, I think the whole meaning of the book is that, you know, complete can feel different and it can look different than, than what you thought it would be. Right. Um, as a child, I definitely saw the simplicity of the world. I really focused in on the worm and the butterfly. And I remember I, this is strange, but I actually, I was talking to my mom about this, um, a couple months ago. I remember imitating what I thought the circle was feel felt when the butterfly landed on its nose like the tickling feeling i mean it's just such a 
I don't know. Like, I, I mean, as an adult, I wouldn't, I, I blow kind of past that. Right. But I remember, cause I, I, you know, my mom was saying that she's like, you were focused on this butterfly and how his nose was probably tickled, but he didn't have a nose and da, 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 da. And then now just as an adult, having gone through so many experiences in life, I get the big message <laughs> that just, are we ever complete? And no one else can complete you, you know? And I mean, there, it's just such a bigger message. Yeah, it, it does sound like uh, kids often do sort of focus on one very particular aspect of something <laughs> that you might overlook, but that, I, that sounds very much sort of with, with, my, with my own kids, you know, they'll focus on the thing that you wouldn't even, you, you sort of brush by, but it's, it becomes that really focal point for them. Yeah. Now, an important aspect uh, of this book, besides the message, is, uh, and this is true of a lot of uh, Shel Silverstein, is the the humor of it, both the the visual humor and uh, you know the verbal humor. And uh, just wanted to say, why, why is the the humor, uh, you know, the way he tells the story, uh, in the way he shows things that are that are you know very funny? What does that bring to the story? Just uh, that sort of engaging the reader through you know humor. Mm-hmm. So I love how he does it in his, uh, he pairs the writing with the pictures, right? So um, when the missing piece has uh, a piece that's in, in its mouth and it can't, it can no longer sing the song. It's how he changes the words. I frown my knees and geese, I frown my mitten bees. You know, it's, it's, it's just a tongue twister and it's just so silly, but it makes sense. And I just, I love, I love how he plays with words in all of his books. I mean, I think this is just what he's so beautiful and, and part of why he's just such a, a beautiful inspiration into uh, literacy. But yeah, the, the words and the, and the, when, so you read kind of his play with words and then you see the illustration that he's drawn with it. And it just it just makes so much sense. And it's, you know, it's very comical. And speaking of the illustrations now, you know, Shel Silverstein usually does sort of these, uh, you know, black ink on 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 white page drawings. But even even uh, for him, this is a very sparsely uh, drawn book. You know, sometimes it's very simple lines. I mean, he's often very sparse anyway, but this book in particular, you know, there's there's a you know, very little seems to go on the page, you know, sometimes it's very just sometimes like a single line or, a, or in a shape on there and, and not much else even going across two two pages. Um, so there's there's a lot more white space than even for Shel Silverstein who uses it a lot uh, in this book. So there's there's very simple, very simple drawings going on and yet it works. So what is it about <laughs> these illustrations that work for this particular story, just these very simple pen and ink drawings. They're so simple, but like when he says things like he's talking about a missing piece that was too tight and it broke and he just shows just these, this crumbled piece. It just makes sense. You know, I think that's part of it. He went with simplicity and he didn't overthink it. He didn't overdo it. He didn't get too fussy with, I mean, again, I I'm, I wasn't in his head. I don't know the process, right? Maybe this is like he did this one particular drawing 500 times. But I don't know. It's just that he kept it simple. And it, it's very, it just makes sense. And I, I love it. Now, it's interesting, uh, the, the the idea of uh, s- uh, simplicity that he uses. Uh, sometimes I don't think people always appreciate, uh, particularly with picture books, when they see something like that that's very simply drawn and the words are very 
basic and there's not a lot of them that it seems like, well, this was something must have been very easy to put together. And mm. I don't think people appreciate because uh, I've tried to write a picture book and I've, I've never succeeded because they're actually very difficult to get right, to get something down, sort of pared down to that mm -hmm. simple and make because you really with a picture book, every word needs to work. So I'm wondering what do you think uh, what Shell Silverstein does in this particular book, what could other authors learn about how he tells a story, both with, you know, using his words and pictures? Um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not him, but, you know, if I were to put on my Shell Silverstein hat, right, I think he was just, I think he's done this with all the giving tree. I mean, I think he's done this with, with many of his books. I think he just speaks from the heart and he writes from the heart. I think he writes from experience, but there's just a sweetness about him. And I'm not, I'm not a visual artist, so I can't, I can't answer it necessarily from that direction, but I don't know. I think he just tapped into kind of like the memory of clay. I think he, he tapped into and he held onto that child side of him. Right. And children are, uh, they're complex, but they are able to be okay in the simplest form. So it's still that same idea of pl using play mm -hmm. in order to discover things. Yes. And I think he just, I think he did it brilliantly. I really do. I think that's part of his brilliance. Now, back when I was uh, teaching, I would often use picture books with older kids, uh, not kids usually, you know, like like middle school, uh, yeah. something like that. And I'd use that use them as a way to you know teach about story or plot or theme. Uh, can you see a, a value for a book like this uh, with older kids? Um, I know you talked a little bit about you know how adults sometimes say. Can you see how how a book like this might be used with possibly older kids for any number of reasons? So I think a book like this um, is good for the vocabulary, for the for the wording of it. Yes, the the pictures, you know, you can. I think it's a good starting point, right, for older kids. But um, they can expand on that, right? Now they have this story, like because it is such a blank canvas, right? Um, what would you add? Like, what is in your world? You know, you you see him passing the flower or whatever. Maybe they maybe it allows them to be more visual, kind of tap into uh, more attention to detail. And for some, I know middle school kids or even high school kids, I, sometimes I, I imagine they sometimes feel like they're missing something and they're never quite sure what it is, a, a piece that's missing out of them and they're <laughs> constantly looking for in some ways. Well, and I think, again, like, because it is such a, it's it really is an adult concept, right? This This missing piece. But I think with that middle school and high school, you can really start honing in on that message and what that means, right? And to this, as they transition into, you know, college or beyond, right? Workplace and, and relationships as they get older. I mean, it ju it's just so much part of uh, adulthood that I think that they can take on. Uh, there's a there's a companion book uh, to this. I don't know if it's sort of a sequel, I guess you could say, but not exactly. It's called The Missing Piece Meets the Big O, because in the first book, we see this shape that's missing a piece. And of course, he's trying to find the missing piece. And the second one is kind of about the missing piece. The missing piece meets the big O. And I wonder if 
talk a little bit uh, first, you know, w- what happens in that book? <laughs> so the missing piece meets the big O. Um, it is what you just said. You know, it's about the missing piece and kind of the missing pieces journey looking for its place with a circle or, you know, a, a figure. And what I love about this one, uh, again, is kind of how, how it ends. It tries to, tries to change itself and tries to be what he, what he or she or it thinks it needs to be, right? And uh, at the end, it finds its perfect circle, or, right? This perfect shape, and it fills it. But then the missing piece starts to grow. And it outgrows this uh, shape that it once fit into. And I, I mean, that, that just gave me chills just talking about it because that's, that's life right there. Just, it's so easy to, this one really resonated with me. I didn't read this one actually until uh, I was a little bit older, probably mm, teenager, you know, right before college and like that. I was much older, but this one clearly spoke relationships to me, you know, and not just romantic relationships, just relationships with people, friendships, right? And you can, you, you learn so much from each relationship. There's a part of us, you know, sometimes that where we try to cater to certain relationships to make it fit into our lives or for us to fit into, you know, it. Um, and then sometimes we can just outgrow. It reminds me of a phrase that my mom always said, relationships are for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, and this one is what that means to me. And I wonder, yeah, it, it 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 certainly seems. I mean, like the other book, it's 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 um, you know, you look at this book, and it's there's definitely something you know, as adults, you sort of look back and think of your life experience, and and it all seems very familiar. And sometimes yeah. it and sometimes it's hard to explain it, but then you see it in a, in this book form and say, oh yes, that's what I meant. To, <laughs> that's what that's what I was thinking. Right. Right. <laughs> And it's interesting how these books kind of they have sort of similar themes, but not exactly. And I'm I'm not sure how to explain um, how they're both the similar and yet very different. So it's not just the the same book in a slightly different way. Yeah, there there is a difference. The second one to me says growth, right? Because uh, and and trial and error and and really just uh, testing yourself and risk, right? Like uh, that's what the second one reads to me because at the end of the second book, um, the missing piece who was once triangular in, in shape, you know, learns how to roll and learns how to essentially complete itself. Right. And that was like, that's kind of a mind blowing moment to me where it's like, Oh man, like, right. I mean, I think as an adult, we've all kind of heard at one point, like no one else can complete you. And I think that's kind of where that message drives home. I've often thought many adults uh, could would do themselves a favor by going back to the books that they read as kids and looking at them again and realizing just how much was really there that they might have yes, not realized. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, I mean, we also have to keep in mind that many of these children's books, right, were written by adults that have gone through experiences. again, much like mine. And it's like, it's kind of that message that we're hoping to pass on to younger generations and give, give them a head start 
the cool part is that when, when we can reread books like this and we bring them to our own children or children in our lives, we can kind of explain that message to them. I think my mom did a very good job of that, you know, when I did show interest in the missing piece to kind of give me the the preliminary conversation that, no, it's not just a pretty fun little picture book, right? Um, There's a bigger message in that. And I think that's kind of our responsibility as we dive into these books again. You know, I I realized, uh, I just realized that I never gave you a chance to share uh, part of your own books, um, the the two books from the Color Field Play series. Um, was there a, a, a bit of that that you wanted to share? I'm sorry, I forgot to ask about that before. That's okay. Yeah, I would definitely love to. Um, so the thing about both books is that I'm a spoken word artist. Um, and so what I love is that uh, when I read these books to children or to audiences, I, I can perform it, you know, like, a, I mean, somebody can hold and read it, but it, to perform it and just to say it, but what color is your day? Um, it just starts and it says, what color is your day? My love, is it blue? Is it green or gray? Explore the shades and hues you feel when you laugh or cry or play. Are you blue like a wilted flower that's waiting on the sun? Or does blue just make you calmly reflect on everything you've done? Pink fills your heart with kindness, and it tickles you with joy. You can feel pink when you're silly or playing with your toys. And it goes through different colors. And there's even a line that says, sometimes feelings can be complex. They're not always black or white. You might feel more like a moody gray. And that's perfectly all right, you know, and I think that's kind of the whole, the whole message of the book that you can feel whatever you feel, combination of colors, whatever you feel is okay. But I think the most important part is that you feel them. I was thinking as you're reading it, that the, the descriptions you use uh, really lend themselves very well to the picture book format, you know. So it's the words, but, but of course, kids like to see things uh, as well, as adults do as well, you know, to, to hear the words and then to sort of see them come to life as well. And the, the words really sort of lend themselves to, you know, all sorts of different ways you could represent it. Well, I definitely could not uh, even speak upon the power of uh, the books or the beauty of the books without mentioning, you know, my illustrator. Her name is Eleanor. And I mean, I had I had words and she just I mean, she just launched it to a different galaxy. Her her ability to. She just took it to a different level. And I mean, they're, they're beautiful. You know, I think that's the one, the one feedback that we get almost every single time someone has a book in hand is that the illustrations, it's just, they're just so good. So she's wonderful. And I, I'm so grateful for her. And is there a passage from the Shel Silverstein uh, books that you wanted to share as well? Yeah. So um, I think with the missing piece where it really just kind of comes to, um, full circle for me pun kind of intended there (laughs) but it's kind of at the end and after the missing piece after they find each other and uh what starts happening is it starts rolling too fast and passing life and um and it sings its song and the song sounds funny 
And it says, oh my, now that it was complete, it would not sing at all. Aha, it thought. So that's how it is. He stopped. So it stopped rolling and it just set the piece down gently and it slowly rolled away. And as it rolled, it softly sang, Oh, I'm looking for my missing piece. I'm looking for my missing piece. Heidi ho, here I go. Looking for my missing piece. The end. And it's the kind of song that can really get stuck in your head. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I just, I mean, like I said, I, I think sometimes I'll put more, you know, or whatever on it. And sometimes I just keep it simple. You know, it's just, it just makes sense though. Like he's just singing his song. Uh, just like the, the book itself that it takes on different uh, shapes and meanings is uh, depending on when you pick it up and, um, Sometimes even the time of day, you might look at it and find something, as as short and simple a book it is, find something a little bit new each time you look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cameron, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me both about your own picture books, your Color Field Play series, and to give me a chance to reread uh, this Shel Silverstein book that I hadn't read in quite a while and to talk to me about uh, the power of uh, words and play today. Thank you so much. I just, I really do love um, your podcast and the message that you have and the place that you're taking adults, which is back to childhood, um, either in the hand of a child or just by ourselves, but really just reliving um, these beautiful words that we uh maybe we're exposed to when we're younger or not but it's a great place to be so thank you you can find cameron's website at cameronwells.com thank you for joining me on dream gardens the theme music titled all together is provided courtesy of purple planet music you can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com podcast cover art was created through canva which can be found at www.canva.com you can visit me at jleemont.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And if you'd like to participate in a Dream Gardens podcast, go to the contact page on my website and send me a note telling me who you are and what book you'd like to talk about. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Keep reading.